Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, January 25th, 2019, and on today's report, I will be attempting to make a comparison between China and the course it is charting for itself in the world today, and America and the course it is on for much of America's historic years of friendship with China. That country was an impoverished third world backwater looking for allies in its struggles. But the two countries once stood together against a common enemy when the United States naval base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii was attacked on December 7, 1941. The Chinese had already been fighting the Japanese Empire for 10 years. The two nations faced a common foe together. After World War II, China changed from a primitive third world country to a primitive communist third world country. Mao's cultural revolution brought with it the death of millions of China's intellectuals and peasants who were suspect or somehow did not fit the communist idea. Instead of the historic friendship with America, China had the collectivist idea of communism. And that ideology dictates that all communist nations work together for the defeat of the West and the triumph of international communism. That's why the communists used to constantly refer to each other as comrade, since the idea of individualism was hateful to communists. President Nixon and Henry Kissinger changed much of that with their trip to China in the early 1970s, and with Mao's death in 1976, the Cultural Revolution also died. China started to change as its potential and its failures became more and more obvious. The new China was more likely to act individually in its own best interest and as a competitor in trade with other countries of the world, whether communist or not. In about 43 years since Mao's death, China has made itself into a powerful economy capable of challenging the United States on many levels. Most of the progress and the results of that progress are obvious for anyone to see if they will look at it. China is close to the United States in supercomputers and in other areas of science, such as genetic engineering and genomics. Unfortunately, China does not have a history of the significance of the individual Chinese that America once had of the individual American. As a result, the genetic engineering efforts have led it into cloning and other forms of genetic manipulation of humanity. The more rapidly China advances in science and computing, the more the speed of advance increases. So progress is exponential. The economic system of China has developed in at least a partial free market way. By that I mean, it seems to me that the Chinese government has said to its people, look, you let us run the government as we see fit and play our international games. We will let you work, build businesses, have jobs. Otherwise, get as rich as you are able. We will guarantee that you will have a job even if we have to create the jobs by building ghost cities that no one lives in. As a result, the Chinese government is left alone to do what it wants in the world. And there aren't one billion Chinese peasants threatening to descend on Beijing with their pitchforks to get a clearer picture 
of what I mean, let's compare some things. Between China and America today, the United States is now $22 trillion in debt on the books. With an unknown but astronomical debt that is usually called unfunded future liabilities, the debt makes the United States vulnerable to the policies of the Federal Reserve, especially its higher interest rates. In addition to the debt, the United States runs huge trade deficits each year, especially with China, which means much more money flows out than flows in. China, on the other hand, runs a large economic surplus, which allows it to invest heavily in infrastructure for modernization purposes. And to keep close to full employment, China is investing its resources in China, both at home and abroad. The Chinese leadership gives me the impression they actually want to put China first and look to the best interest of their own country. The United States is so hamstrung by debt and by internal politics, it has very little ability to invest in its own infrastructure. If you doubt me on this point, just drive across the country and you will see the jam-packed highways in need of repair, bridges that need rebuilding, and so forth. The Chinese government is apparently committed to moving China into a position at the top of the economic world. Here in America, we're so divided, so mired down in identity politics, we cannot accomplish anything as simple as agreeing on a budget. The President of the United States is no longer welcome in the House of Representatives for the purpose of telling Congress and the American people what he thinks the State of the Union is. America seems to be committed to investing in only one thing, and that is its military. While building its military into the most technologically advanced force possible, it seeks to control the world through the imposition of economic sanctions because it controls the financial system that the world is currently forced to use. The United States' status as the world's reserve currency, along with its being the world's largest economy, allows the United States to impose its will on other nations through economic sanctions. The sanctions do cause harm to the nations upon which they are imposed, and as a result, those nations band together against their common enemy to find a way out of the dollar system as well as a way to trade outside the sanctions. According to Forbes magazine, China is still the number two economy in the world, but it is clearly losing the trade war. Forbes further reports, quote, Donald Trump can be pleased. His policies have brought China to its knees, end quote. The United States clearly excels in the area of human freedom, right? Well... There are problems in America today, even in that area. Freedom of speech is being constricted primarily by the tech companies of Silicon Valley, but nevertheless constricted. We are strictly prohibited from criticizing certain protected groups while the unprotected ones are fair game. Christianity is officially legal in the United States, but those who actually practice it are portrayed in the media invariably as hypocrites and racists. China, strangely enough, is on course to become the world's most Christian nation within 15 years. Churches are springing up across China, even in small rural areas. The buildings are sometimes referred to as 
megachurches, officially China, is an atheist country, but Christian congregations are skyrocketing. A Purdue University study recently concluded that China will soon be the largest Christian nation in the world. In 1949, when the communists took control of China, China had only about one million Christians. That number is expected to have grown to 160 million by 2025, just six years from now. That number would put it ahead of the United States since the number of Christians in America is in decline. Churches, like car factories, are closing in America but opening in China. Keep in mind that the numbers I've given you include only Protestant Christians. By 2030, the total number of Protestant and Catholics combined in China will exceed 247 million. Mao set out to eliminate Christianity from China, but instead, Christianity eliminated Mao. It seems ironic that the things we normally think of as traditionally American, the things that made America prosperous and safe, are being rejected in America. Things like free enterprise, the right to keep the fruits of your own labor, a stable currency, and of course, Christianity. The Chinese recognize these things as having made America prosperous, and they are hungry for them. China has some other advantages, such as a huge population of highly intelligent people. It also does not have to deal with America's diversity and the resulting problems of racial conflict, except for a Muslim province. In the western part of China, it is primarily a monoculture of Han Chinese people. Since it lacks America's racial diversity, there is not a large amount of conflict, no racial violence in the cities, no looting of stores, no burning of cars, and very little street crime. Huge urban sections filled with practically illiterate people do not exist in China, as they do in America. I've traveled around the world, but obviously, my primary knowledge is America for information I'm giving you about China. I rely on people who have been there and who have lived there for much of their lives. In addition to publications such as Forbes magazine, China is trying to take its education seriously now. Chinese students study, work long hours on homework in an effort to prepare for higher education, preferably in America, where colleges and universities are still the world leaders at universities such as Caltech and Stanford, where some of the smartest students in the world go, the student bodies are at, at are approaching majority Asian. In conclusion, folks, both countries appear to be attempting to build a world empire. The American empire is based primarily on military power. The reasoning seems to be this. If you obey us and if you agree to become our vassal, then we will pay you well. But if you don't, we will invade and conquer you and perhaps hang your leader. China's empire is primarily commercial as it tries to dominate the world through manufacturing and trade. The United States usually tries to control the world through coercion, favoring sanctions, embargoes, and especially military force. America has become so divided it's hard for it to accomplish or build much of anything except for the military and related technology. China does not appear to have descended into decadence 
and to have rejected its core values, but unfortunately, America does so appear. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.